Welcome to the Mind Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by PTI Engineered Plastics. In each episode, we talk to a plastic injection molding expert about topics ranging from product development to tooling, process validation, and automation. We'll discuss industry trends and provide valuable insight into the plastics manufacturing industry of the future. You can learn more about PTI Engineered Plastics by visiting teampti.com. Please subscribe to this free show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media for all the latest from PTI. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind to Manufacturing podcast. My name is Kelly Riley, and I'll be your host for today's episode. In previous episodes, we've talked about part design, mold design, and tool build. Today, we're going to get into the actual manufacturing process and scientific molding. Joining us for the discussion today is Kyle Staffhorst, a member of the Process Engineering Department here at PTI. Welcome to the program, and thank you for joining us today, Kyle. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Kyle, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved in process engineering. Well, I've worked in manufacturing for six years, and I've been at PTI for the last four years. Uh, During my time at PTI, I've had multiple roles in the shop. Uh, Entry level, I was a press operator, eventually a material handler, became a die setter, worked in quality, process tech, to a process engineer now. So you have seen it all in the plant. Yeah, it's good. It gives me a lot of experience across different departments, helps me troubleshoot for myself and for other guys, really. Great. Well, tell tell me a little bit more about the, the process engineering team um, and uh, how many members do you have, um, experience, are you guys RJG certified? Tell me a little bit more about the team. Well, there are six of us process engineers total. We all have RJG certifications, and altogether we have over 100 years of processing wow. experience. Wow. Okay, so bringing a lot to the table. Definitely. Fantastic. Well, let's jump uh, right into it here. So um, a tool is built, and now it's on the ma- manufacturing floor. So what happens now? Well, the first thing we want to do is we want to reconfirm that the press selected during the design stage is correct for this tool. So we need to look at a lot of things, but the most basic thing is the actual physical size of the mold. Okay. It needs to be able to fit between the tie bars of the selected press. Okay, that fit, makes some sense. And that, that makes sense. Definitely. And then we want to calculate the projected total surface area of the part in the runner, and that's going to ensure that we have a press capable of applying enough uh, clamping force, tonnage, to keep the mold closed during injection. Okay. It's very important. Okay. And then what And then next? finally, the last thing I would say is important is the maximum shot capacity of the screw in the barrel assembly. Ideally, we want to use around 20 to 80% of the available shot capacity, and that just helps us better utilize the design of the screw and prevent over or underheating of the material while okay. it's running. Okay. Speaking of material... Um, how do you confirm that you're using the right material for the job? Well, we study the material type, uh, its processing specifications. We want to consider the melt temp, the mold temperature. Okay. That's essential for cooling. We do the material drying time and temperature to make sure that we're processing the material when it's supposed to be. And then the maximal, um, the maximum allowable moisture content. Okay. Yep. And then we can look for any other special molding, handling, or storage recommendations. So this information provides us with some basic but essential parameters for processing. parameters for processing that specific type of material. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Okay. So um, what happens if you determine that maybe another material is more suitable, or would that be a rarer recurrence, or what, what about that? It's a rare uh, occurrence, but it does happen. So the material used is usually chosen at the beginning of the part design stage on the customer's end because they kind of build the that into the tool. Okay, you know. okay, right. So, but on the rare occasion where a chosen material is not suitable, we can make our recommendations to our project managers who then can take their concerns back to the customer. We can find a, a suitable alternative. Alternative, okay. Yeah. okay. Or we can always send the tool to have a little work to it to help accommodate this new material. That material, okay. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you look at to consider before you're developing the actual process? Well, yeah, you need to make sure you have all the correct auxiliary equipment there at the press. So when the job starts, you're going to be capable of running it. So you would think, is this tool automatic? Well, if it's automatic, then we need diverters or conveyors to move the parts out and okay. segregate bad parts. Okay. Are there hand loads? If it does, do they need removal fixtures to remove the parts from the hand loads? Okay. And then other things like processing high heat thermalators, if you're going to need to have the mold temp over 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And then, you know, hot runner systems or process monitoring and control systems like EDART from RJG. Kyle, you just mentioned high heat thermalators. Can you briefly talk about high temp processing? Yeah, of course. High temp processing is very similar to regular processing. Uh, it's just higher temperatures. Anything over 200 degrees Fahrenheit for okay. mold temperature is considered high heat. Okay. And then usually any material over 600 degrees is high heat okay. material. Um, it requires a dedicated area in the shop to run because it is such high temperature. It's dangerous. You can burn yourself. It requires certain protective gear when you're operating the okay. machines, okay. like arm sleeves or specialty gloves. And it's mainly used for parts that need to be durable or may be exposed to high levels of heat. Okay, okay. But the but regardless of the temperature of the mold or the resin, you're still going to use the same process development along the way. Yep. Processing wise, we develop it the same way. Okay. So um, so you've you've gone through all those different parameters. Um, the mold's ready for a pre-production trial. Then then what happens? That's the fun part. <laughs> so in our industry, there are three main methods used to mold parts, and I'll go over them briefly. So there's traditional molding, or D1. There's decoupled 2, or D2, and then decoupled 3, or D3. Okay. So traditional molding is the less advanced and least consistent style of molding. It's where the fill and the pack stage occurs as one. This is kind of an older style of processing, and with the advances in technology and molding machines, it's not really utilized today, okay. especially in our field of medical molding. Okay, where things are more technical. More technical, okay, yep. precision molding. Okay. So then decoupled two or D2, is, um, it allows more control of the molding process. So the difference between D2 and traditional is the first stage is filling the part based off of defined shot transfer position. And the goal of this is stage is to produce a part roughly 98% full with small visible shorts at the end of the fill. Okay. So you're not making a full part. You want a short part, just very slightly short. Okay. And then the second stage is the pack and hold phase. It's used to finish mold filling. It compensates for part shrinkage, and it's to achieve the gate seal. The gate seal is the time at which the polymer at the gate is frozen and no more plastic can be packed into the cavities or flow out. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yep, and that's important. And then D3 
is first stage is filling the part to a shot position of roughly 80% full. And then we use second stage to pack the part to a set cavity pressure. And we utilize an external transfer trigger, like a cavity pressure sensor, a sensor? in okay. a lower okay. injection speed. And then the third stage is utilizing the hold pressure just to achieve the gate seal again. Okay, there's there's a lot there. There are, <laughs> yep. D2 and D3 are the most widely used methods of molding. It's because they produce a stable and more consistent process, and that translates to manufacturing, repeatability, and higher part quality on the shop floor. Right, so you're you're addressing that quality issue right there. Right at the get-go when you make okay. the process. Yep. Okay, I'm setting up the process. Okay. So that's just a very basic understanding or a quick overview of process development. So scientific molding, where does that come into the manufacturing process and how do you how do you implement scientific molding? Well, scientific molding, we use it to refine our base pro- process. We use something called the scientific injection molding workbook a or workbook. a SIM. Okay. So the SIM is a series of mold, machine, and material tests performed press-eye, and they help us refine and improve the process, and it provides us real-time data as we're performing the test. Okay, so yeah, the the process text, you're you're doing um, the tests in real-time right there. You're receiving the the data back in the trial. You're making parts. You're looking at your changes and what it does to the part quality. Okay, okay. And, yep, so... So... lots of different tests. Um, are there several tests? Like, how do those help the molder? Um, we'll get into a few of those. Yeah, there are a couple important tests. The first one we perform is the injection speed linearity test, and that's a machine test used to confirm the molding press's injection speed capabilities at different injection speeds. So this determines how much control there is over injection speed. Okay. Certain presses, hydraulics take longer to ramp up to certain speeds, So, depending on the part size, you may never be able to reach that speed. Ah, okay, okay. So, it's important that you know if you're filling at two inches a second, you're actually filling at two inches a second, and not just what the machine's capable of doing. Capable of doing, okay, okay. So, then the next task would be an in-mold rheology, or the viscosity curve. Rheology just being the study of the flow of matter. Okay. So, this plots material viscosity, or its resistance to flow, versus the rate of shear using readouts from the press, including the actual injection pressure and the fill time at different fill speeds. So this helps us determine the optimum fill time and fill speed for the part. Okay. Is there a sequence to these tests, or does it depend more on what you're trying to accomplish? So if you you have these SIM tests, you do, you know, there's just a sequence, Mm -hmm. an order of operation of the test. The SIM workbook gives you a step-by-step thing to process a tool scientifically. Okay. Okay. So then the next important test would be the melt temperature, a material test that confirms the material is being processed within the acceptable temperature range. It's very important. If you're processing the material at a wrong temperature, you're not going to get good results. Get a good part out of that. So we use a 30-30 method using a parameter or a probe. So we let the press run for 30 minutes, let the heats equalize and stabilize, I mean, and then... We purge the press out and have 30 seconds to take an accurate melt temperature oh, of the material. Of the resin that, oh, of the okay. Material. Yep. Okay. And then next test would be a pressure loss, which determines the amount of pressure required in each stage of the flow path from the nozzle to the sprue to the runner to the gate and finally the filled part. So this just demonstrates how much pressure, pressure 
each of these areas eats up in what is available to the part at the end of the fill. By the time you've got yeah. to the end of the filled part. Okay. 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 In multi-cavity tools, we perform a dynamic cavity imbalance, and this just tests the effects of different injection speeds on the balance or the weight of a multi-cavity tool. Okay. We want to make consistently the same 98 both sides of the cavity. Okay. Okay. So then we can perform a dynamic checkering repeatability study. This is a machine test measuring the variability in shot volume or the part weight during fill. So we run 10 shots, we weigh them, and we try to make sure that the weights are within an acceptable margin of difference. Okay, for each 10. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. And then finally, probably the most important is the gate seal. So as I said earlier, the gate seal, the gate is considered sealed or closed when the part no longer gains weight and no material flows back out of the mold. Okay. So that's at a set second stage pressure, which we, while we increase the time intervals between shots. So by testing various pressures in the settings and the effect that they have on part appearance, we choose the best pressure setting for the part. For that part. And okay. this helps us optimize our cycle time and reduces cost. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Could ultimately, if you're if you're producing a lot of parts, your every second in a cycle time is going to yeah, matter. It adds okay. Up. It adds up, and then and you stress the part appearance. So mm -hmm. okay, okay. So there's a lot of tests there. That was what probably about eight eight different tests. They're performed in a sequence. So um, each test gives you important data. What are what are the benefits of all of that data then? This data points the processor in the right direction as to how to make a quality part consistently. Okay. Repeatability. Yep. And then after completing these tests, the process is finalized and recorded in our system. Okay. Sample parts are sent to the in-house metrology lab for measurement, and the quality department reviews them for final approval. Okay, okay, so you, you've got more testing based on all that data, and then it goes to quality. So based on the quality review, um, would you then use all that information to go back and adjust processes if needed um, based on what comes out of those lab results? Yeah, the lab results tell us important information. It tells us if we need processing changes or if we potentially need some tool work to, okay. to okay. get, you know, things in the spec. Uh, we can do, we can start the validation effort and start performing a design of experiment or edge of failure. Okay, which edge is of a, failure. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> which is a study to learn how much the process affects the part. So as a good practice, we usually select three key factors like mold temperature, the hold pressure, maybe the cooling time. Okay for these DOE interactions, and we take nine groups of sample parts total. So then these are then measured, and this data, again, is used to kind of tell us where we want to be processing-wise, okay. or, as I said, if the tool needs adjusting. Okay, right, whether it's a process adjustment, a tooling adjustment, all in the, in the name of getting a quality part. Yep, yep. And process validation is very important in the medical field. PTI is a leader in medical part validations. Um, these, this validation pretty much proves and tests out our process, shows that we're consistent and that we can consistently make good parts. So if they want to go further, we have other tests, including IQ, OQ, and PQ runs. And yeah. 
It further refines the process. Okay. So in future episodes, we're going to be getting more into, into validation. So the, um, I guess I'm just thinking like, what would be, what would be like a, a key takeaway you would want our listeners to have about scientific molding and how, what they should be thinking about? Well, it's important to understand the whole process of the scientific injection molding workbook. It is the, the start starting off point for the validation process. Okay. So whether or not you have a tool you're going to validate the scientific injection molding, that, that workbook and this whole scientific molding process is important because regardless of validation, you want to produce a quality part every time. So customers should be looking for um, a, a molder that's using this type of a, of a scientific approach. Yep. Here at PTI, all tools are shot using the SIM workbook. It's okay. a good start starting spot. Okay. Yeah. And then you've, you've got the data from all those tests. You use that as your, your basis for processing and refer back to it um, through different part runs. Um, yep. Okay. Yep. And all if uh, future validation is necessary, it's nice to already have that information have ready that for us. Locked in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for sharing your team's expertise with us today. Um, it's, it's just all part of the, the process of producing quality parts every time. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening today. Um, meet us right back here for our next episode. If you would like more information about the scientific molding process, you can visit our website, teampti.com. And we've got more information there. And you can always, of course, reach out to us via the website as well. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Mind to Manufacturing podcast brought to you by PTI Engineered Plastics. You can subscribe to the Mind to Manufacturing podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. Want to learn more about PTI Engineered Plastics custom injection molding services? Please visit teampti.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll meet you right back here for our next episode.